Well, we started a series last week. I'm going to ask you a question. And I want you to, when I ask the question, tell me the first word that pops into your mind. What do you think of when I say the word refuge? (laughs) All those are good. I hope that when I say the word refuge, you think of safety, a safe place, rest, peace. I just like to take my favorite picture of Jesus and have that just pop in my mind. He is our refuge, our ever-present help in time of trouble. So we, have, we started last week, and we're going to be several weeks in this series, Refuge. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Numbers 35. I have to set this up. Maybe you have spent years in the book of Numbers Maybe not so much. (laughs) We need to set this up because it's not a popular text, but we study every part of the Word of God because every part's wonderful. Every part. If, If I say, go and lock yourself in a room with Leviticus, if you did it, you would come out smiling because somehow God would speak to you and minister to you in Leviticus. All right? So uh, we have here the children of Israel getting ready to go into the promised land. They are looking at Jericho. It is not yet fallen. It is a mountainous city. And they're getting ready to go in the promised land, and God speaks to Moses. He speaks to his people about cities of refuge. So let me set this up to understand. There's going to be 48 Levitical cities sprinkled all over the place in Israel. The Levites, remember, that tribe, they didn't have an inheritance. They didn't get the land. Judah was down here. Dan was over here. They got this much land. Big tribes got this much land, but not the Levites. The Levites were to be, have cities and about a half a mile for their cattle and their uh, gardens in 48 different cities all over Israel. But six of those cities would be special cities. They would be cities of refuge. And I'll show you this picture here on this map so you can see there were three on the east of the Jordan and three on the west. This is what's amazing about the cities. You could get to any city. This is just a quick recap of last week to bring us all on the same page. You could get to any city in one day's journey. What was this city of refuge? Anyone who killed someone accidentally, anyone who committed this crime but didn't do it with malice in their heart, wasn't trying to murder them, they would have a place of refuge, whether you're an Israelite, a journeyer, or a Gentile. You would have a place to go from the avenger of blood, that relative that wanted to take you out because you accidentally killed one of their relatives. This was called goalism. It was the prevalent culture right here in this history, in uh, this time in history. It's really prevalent throughout a lot of world history. It wasn't a small thing. We don't function like that in our, his- in our culture very much, but that's the way they functioned. So they could run and flee to these cities, them and their family, and find refuge. Why would God, in His infinite wisdom, set this up throughout time and history to reflect all of Israel to, so even uh, the, the Gentiles could understand refuge, even through all the different nations they could understand refuge? We know because we live on the other side of the cross. We know that everything was pointing to Jesus, the Savior. We know that it all points to the refuge for sinners, the guilty and the accidental we're not, we, a lot of our sins are not accidental. We did them on purpose. And that's why he's greater even than these cities. Okay, let's go to Numbers 35. We kind of set this up. So Moses has talked about the cities of refuge. He talks in 16 to 21 about if someone has done this on purpose, if it's murder, then they're forfeited their life because they took a life. But we're going to pick it up in verse 22 about the accidental. All right. However, if he, this is Numbers 35, 22. However, if he pushes him suddenly without enmity or throws anything at him without lying in wait or uses a stone by which a man could die, throwing it at him without seeing him so that he dies while he was not his enemy or seeking his harm, then the congregation shall judge between the manslayer and the avenger of blood according to these judgments. So this was a, like a jury The congregation became like a jury to see if he had done this on purpose or on accident. Verse 25. So the congregation shall deliver the manslayer from the hand of the avenger of blood, and the congregation shall return him to the city of refuge where he had fled, 
and he shall remain there until the death of the high priest who was anointed with the holy oil. But if the manslayer at any time goes outside the limits of the city of refuge where he fled, and the avenger of blood finds him outside the limits of his city of refuge, and the avenger of blood kills the manslayer, he shall not be guilty of blood because he should have remained in his city of refuge until the death of the high priest. But after the death of the high priest, the manslayer may return to the land of his possession. Okay, so we have to see this picture. A frightened, exhausted person runs and finds a city of refuge. They have said they are innocent. The, man's, the avenger of blood is after them. They start, the avenger of blood cannot come into the city of refuge. So they take, as a congregation, they take this man, so they bring him out. And they say, okay, let's do court here. We've, we've examined everything. We found this person innocent. It was an accident. That person can only exist outside that city of refuge with that congregation around them. They find out that they're innocent. They bring them back into the city of refuge as a group. They find out they're guilty. They hand them over to the avenger of blood. So that's the picture here that, that God has painted for the Israelites and would ultimately be a picture for us also. So let's look at this. You've got some notes right there. Let's learn something from the Word of God. Verse 25 says, So the congregation shall deliver the manslayer from the hand of the avenger of blood, and the congregation shall return him to the city of refuge where he fled. I'm going to tell you, everyone's involved in this thing. There is no one on the bench here. Is everyone involved? Everybody. This was a whole city thing. This was not about just elders or about pastors or spiritual leaders. Everyone was involved in refuge. Everyone was involved in this person's life and what was going to happen with their life. Everyone. God wanted it like that. No one in God's kingdom is to be on the bench. No one in God's kingdom is not to be involved in what's going on in their city, in their church, in their community, right? There's a beautiful picture here of unity, a beautiful picture of we are all going to do this together. The only way you're going to produce a city of refuge is if there's great unity, right? This isn't going to happen if, unless everyone's on the same page. Well, I don't want to go or whatever. This is unbelievable unity that God sets up and everyone has to be aware of it, they have to know what's going on, right? Because they're making decisions for somebody's life. So they have to know the information. I love our children's ministry. I love our worship team. You know why? I love everyone who does everything here. And our, our church, if you're new with us, everyone does something. It's just the way it is when you have a, a young church. Why? Because I see them get involved and say, okay, I have to know this. I have to study this. I have to work on this. Uh, Chris, who led worship this morning, came in last night on the plane and was here early this morning to make sure he was ready. It was a lot of work. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Number one in your notes. Unity creates long-term places of refuge. All the congregation shall go out. All the congregation shall come back. That's high involved. That's a beautiful picture of unity. You know, I was thinking about this. I cannot have a long-term place of refuge in my home without unity. There's two parents in there. If you're a single parent, God is your second. But, right, can I create a place of refuge in my home without unity with even just one? To have refuge, I must have unity with my spouse, with my wife. Look at this picture of this whole group in unity. God has so much to say about this. It's such a powerful thing in our lives and in, um, in the Word of God. I want to show you a picture just to illustrate this. This is uh, three of the greatest tenors probably who ever lived. These are all famous opera singers. They were famous before, but they were never famous until they were together. They could fill up an opera house, but when they got together, 
Caricas, Domingo, and Pavarotti. You probably heard the name of Pavarotti. When they became a group is when they sold out every venue, open air and stadiums, not in America, in the world. In the world, it was a phenomenon. People had never seen because they had never put a group of voices like that together. And it produced such amazing power. I want you to hear it and think about the power of unity in this. So listen to this. Watch it. They're good together. I mean separate. But together, it's not good. It's magnificent together. Now, I'm going to show you Psalm 133. Psalm 133. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to read it again. So Psalm 133, 1 and 2. My Bible says this, a song of ascents. Ascents like to go up. So this is the way it worked in Israel. Everyone lived all over the place. But to come to the highest feast and Passover and stuff, you went to Jerusalem. You went to the, when they had a temple, you went there. So no matter if you were coming from the top, you were still up. Even if you were going down in sea level, you, you walked in a caravan, you sung, you saying these words in a what kind? What was it? A song, right? This is a song of ascent. This is musical form. Psalm 133.1. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious, not just oil, precious oil that ran oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. Wait, who was Aaron? The who? The high priest. Did we read about the high priest? We're going to get back into it in a minute. Is this all about the high priest involved in the city of refuge? Absolutely it is. We're going to get there in a minute. Now, let me read this again while you listen to this music. Play that one more time. Because this is the context of this scripture. It's musical, it's celebratory, it's group. Right? They're going in groups. Behold how good and how pleasant it is. For brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil that ran upon the beard, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down the edge of his garments. That's the way we need to read the scripture because that's the context of it. Now we understand. Now, if you want to go put some Pavarotti on and read Psalms, I'm telling you, it was good for me this week. Uh, it was good. Put some Pavarotti on. Unity creates long-term places of refuge. We're not trying to create a short-term place. My God's the same today, yesterday, and forever. We're trying to create a long-term, sustained place in my home, in my heart through Jesus Christ, in this church of unity, of refuge. Oh, don't we want to be a place of refuge? I desire to be a person of refuge, don't you? Wasn't that the question I asked you last week? Do you consider yourself a person of refuge? I have considered it more this week. I hope you have too as we continue in this series. Nothing's in a top visero. I don't even know what that means. I guess it's Italian. I don't speak Italian. Verse 25 in Numbers. Let's keep looking at this. 
Funny thing about these tenors, before I read the verse 25, these men were in California, and in California, in Los Angeles, they are doing a huge concert years ago, and uh, a Pavarotti was trying to push them for competitiveness, and he asked them, who's the best? That's what he asked them, who's the best? And the smaller guy, Domingo, stood up real quick and said, you have to put all of your concentration into opening your heart to the music. Domingo said, you can't be rivals when you're together making music. Is that not the picture of refuge and the church? They don't compete against each other. You know what they do? They complement each other. You're good alone because you have Christ alone. We're great together. Amen? All right. Whoa, I almost missed my story. Oh, man. Here we go. Verse 25. And he shall remember, excuse me, and he shall remain there until the death of the high priest who was anointed with the holy oil. We just read that about Aaron. Why is this in here? What's going on? That's kind of a, a left hook. Why is that a left hook? The priesthood has just started. Israel barely knows anything about it. They're not even in the promised land yet. There is no temple. They're in a tent. But God who exists outside of time doesn't speak to a moment only. He speaks in all of time is moves by his word. Amen. So he's going to speak this and it's going to continue as it does right now in Acadiana here at Foundation Sunday morning into our lives just like it did into theirs. Is there a king in Israel at this time? No, God didn't want him to have a king. He was their king. Israel's young. Moses is getting ready to die and Joshua is going to take over. The high priest is, is going to be the highest spiritual position that exists in the land. Leaders are leaders. We think of our president as a leader, no matter who it is. I'm talking about politics. No matter who it is, he's a leader. You don't necessarily usually think of the president as the highest spiritual leader in the land, right? Israel sees the high priest as the highest spiritual leader in the land because he is. He's the highest spiritual leader. It's a lifelong position. It's like our Supreme Court. And if he dies, all the nation stops for a certain amount of days for mourning. They didn't do that for all the leaders, only if they were good leaders and godly leaders. Sometimes they didn't even get to be buried in the place of kings. So this was a huge position and a huge focus for these people in Israel. We think the high priest, okay, he just had this job, whatever. No, he was seen as this person who goes into the Holy of Holies once a year, who is the one who touches the holy things, who's anointed with the holy oil, who sanctifies himself and connects with God, right? So this high priest in Israel is going to die, and that's the only time the person who, was, who had killed someone accidentally is freed from the, from the city. They can leave the city when he dies. And why is that? Because at the time the high priest dies, all focus on smaller things gets swallowed up. There's national mourning. There's national transition because now there's going to be a new high priest. And like I said, for life, everything that happened before, small potatoes. You know what it is. It's like your life before Jesus. It just didn't matter as much. And when you came to him, all the sin that so encompassed you was swallowed up by the cross, right? was swallowed up by the work. This is the statement I have, number two on your notes. The greater event cancels the lesser in God's kingdom. The greater event cancels the lesser in God's kingdom. Let me walk you through some scriptures to see this all over the place. This is Isaiah 25 prophesying of this great event. Isaiah 25, 7. And he will destroy on this mountain, on this mountain, a particular place, we call it Calvary, the surface of the covering cast over all people. 
and the veil that is spread over all nations. And he will, what does that say? I love that. Swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. The rebuke of his people, he will take away from all the earth. He will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. This is not just Isaiah. This is the Lord speaking. This is the way Colossians says it. It's right here on your screen. This is the ESV, a little different than I usually read from. It's a good translation. By canceling the record of the debt that stood against us with its legal demands that he set aside, nailing it to the cross. The greater swallows up the lesser. Oh, death, where is your sting? Where is it? It's gone. The greater has swallowed it up. Let's keep looking here. We're in Numbers 25. Excuse me, 35. Verse 28. Everything with guilt in the cities of refuge and in Israel, I'm not talking about murder, but everything in this context was dependent on the life and death of the high priest. That's like us, isn't it? Everything depends on the life and death of the high priest. And he is he that is dead and is alive forevermore. Verse 28. Let me read 27 to understand it. And the avenger of blood finds him outside the city limits of his city of refuge, and the avenger of blood kills the manslayer. He shall not be guilty of blood because he should have remained in his city of refuge until the death of the high priest. There were rules, limitations. Remember I said it's about a half mile, the the Levitical cities, were about a half mile outside of just the city, however big the little community was, and then about a half mile of pasture land. So he was confined to a certain area, or she, or whoever it was. You know, I look at this and I say, wow, there is grace in the city of refuge, but there are boundaries to that grace. Now, let me be careful as I step out on this theological limb that it break not on me. Help me, Lord. God's grace is infinite and unlimited. It's, it's incomprehensible, the uh, depths of it, how He could save sinners, how His grace extends to us, right? It's just incomprehensible. We know it's there. We've experienced it and lived it. It's incomprehensible. It, it, it does know no limits. That's a true statement. But there are, in fact, limits to the grace of God. Let me show you this biblically, simply. There are limits to salvation. Acts says, no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Is that a limit? Yes, that is a limit. Limits in time. One day I'll breathe my last. That's the end of the limit, correct? And so will you. One day Jesus will return. Is that the end of the limit of the dispensation of grace? Absolutely. So we need to understand, number three on your notes, accept the limits of God's grace. Accept the limits of God's grace. We must not be Christians who espouse the grace of God outside of context. Does that make sense? Talk about His grace. Marvel in it. Swim in it. Revel in it. But make sure we talk about it in the context of the person and work of Jesus. Make sure you talk about it under the blood of Jesus Christ only. Right? Not whatever. Let me show you Paul's statement on the grace of God. Ephesians 4, 1. Ephesians chapter 4. Let me read 1 through 7. Let me say this first statement and tell me what you think. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. Are prisoners limited? Is there limits in prison? Yes, there are limits Paul lived under. Of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the Lord, of the Lord, worthy of the calling with which you were called 
with all loneliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is above all and through all and in all. Verse 7. But to each one of us was given, was given, excuse me, but to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ. And yes, he's talking about gifts and spiritual gifts, but there is clear that there are limits to the grace of God he wants us to function in. And let me give you this story to illustrate what those limits really are. During our American Civil War, which was the bloodiest, uh, obviously, war we had ever seen. No war has eclipsed the casualties lost in the Civil War, even the great wars of World War I and II. No, Americans, no more Americans were lost anywhere except the Civil War. Why? Every death was an American. Going into year five, Grant's army, the Confederates, had pushed all the way through Virginia and were at the foots of the Capitol. They were right there. But running low on supplies, they stalled. And because they stalled and supply lines were cut off, the, their military shrunk, shrunk, back, 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 and were cornered in by the Union, by Grant. They thought, they worked, they did everything they could do. And again, I'm not trying to make political points. I'm trying to show you the context of the Word of God and this. Grant says... I would rather die a thousand deaths than surrender, but I see there is no other way. They put riders with white flags and head straight to Grant, riding with white flags. The meeting is set up between General Grant of the Union Army, Lincoln is president in his second term, and Lee. They come together, Lee not knowing what would happen. He really had to just step out and say, I have no idea what's going to happen with this. Grant shocked and surprised Lee with orders from Lincoln. Lincoln was never there, but Lincoln's words are the reason America is still what it is today. It's a picture of the Lord. Lincoln was never there. But Lincoln said, your number one goal is this. Let me quote. To bind up the wounds of the nation. Go Grant and make that happen. Go General Grant. Bind up the wounds of the nation. Many within the Union Army considered the Confederates traitors and were personally responsible for the tremendous loss of lives and property. At Lee's request, all soldiers could return home unharmed. Grant said there will be no public hangings, no public trials, and we will not parade anyone through the street as guilty. Everyone will be allowed to go home. Not only that, but all their property will be given to them. If they own a horse, give it to them. They have to plow a field in the spring to keep their family from starving. Grant shocked Lee by the grace given to him in the army. He could have wiped them out. He could have put sanctions on them. He could have decimated the South and put it back another hundred years. He would not and he did not because Lincoln was a man of great mercy. Grant was a general, but he stayed under the power of the man of mercy, Lincoln. There was only one stipulation. You will have full access to go home. You will not be badgered. You will not, no trials will be given. No one will be put in military prisons. There is one and only one condition. I will read it. We will do all this, and the only term is that it must be unconditional surrender. That was the price of grace. That's what my Savior did. He obeyed the Father completely and absolutely. Is that right? And that is how we obtain the grace of God. The limits of God's grace is in unconditional surrender. Amen? Amen. Come on. It's a wonderful surrender. It's more than we deserve. 
We're guilty in every way, but it's unconditional. And we say, I accept your grace. Amen? Come on. Accept the limits of God's grace. Paul did. And he just said, I'll be a prisoner. That's fine. Oh, I love to be wherever he is. The last one here, verse 29. We're back in Numbers. Twenty-nine. So he says the whole spiel. He tells all of the people of Israel this. Verse 29. And these things shall be a statute of judgment to you throughout your generations in all your dwellings. All generations, no matter where you live. I don't care where you live. I don't care your station in life. And it doesn't matter that you're on this side of the Jordan or that side of the Jordan, you're going to teach this culture to the people because this is the people I, this is my people and that way I want them to function. You remember now, this is Deuteronomy. There were some people that didn't go into the promised land. Some of the people hearing this they did not get to go and make the city of refuge. They taught a younger generation to do it. The city of refuge doesn't happen until Joshua 20. Their job wasn't even to build the city of refuge. Their job was to teach their children to do it. Hmm. Some of us don't get to build the city like we want it to. God's called us to teach a younger generation to do it. Amen? Number four, declare the importance of refuge to this generation. Declare the importance of these things shall be a statute of judgment to you throughout your generations in all your dwellings. Declare the importance, the importance, the importance of refuge because I've been thinking about this, you know, you study it and you think about it for hours and what hours. On Wednesday and Thursday, I found myself coming home, especially Thursdays into my work week. I found myself coming home, walking in the door thinking, okay, how do I be a refuge? How can 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 I be a refuge? That is a great thought to have rolling in your mind a lot, right? Let's stand up as I read this last scripture. Hebrews 9, 11 to 15. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with His own blood, He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled the unclean, sanctifies from the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God. Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. For this reason, He is the mediator of the new covenant. He is our refuge. He is our high priest. Oh, what a great salvation it is. Amen. What a great salvation. Just a minute reflecting on this with the Lord. Just close your eyes.
Let's have unity. We can't create any long-term place of refuge without unity. If you're upset, holding, unforgiveness, let it go. You need to talk to someone in your life, maybe years in the past, call them. Have unity. The whole congregation. You may have events in your life that seem less than. You wish it would have been different. You wish you could have done it different. You wish they would have done it different. I'm going to tell you, there is an event so great in history. It is the greatest reality of our present time. It is the event of the cross where death was swallowed up in victory. Live in that and you will live in freedom. Whatever is less than, if it plagues you, if it frustrates you, go to the greater than and let it be canceled at the cross where he nailed it there. We're going to be people who live in God's limits, live in his grace. Live in his limits of grace. And of course, we will not be silent. We will not be silent. We will declare refuge to this generation. I'll let you spend just a couple minutes, you and Jesus. congregation had to do it together let's do it together let's come to the lord together right now lord we thank you for your picture of refuge through time and history we thank you for the culmination of refuge in the person and work of jesus make us a person of refuge by the blood of the lamb and the holy spirit make us a person of refuge lord make us a people of refuge in every situation oh it's who you were and it's who we want to be. We're asking, and when we ask, we receive. We're asking according to your will, because it is your word. So we thank you that you are making us people of refuge. And I thank you that you're creating a place of refuge for people to come who are hurt and broken. Because that's what you did for us. In the name above all names we ask, and everyone say, amen and amen. Can you please be seated for a minute? I ended a few minutes early. We have some family business, some good, very good family business. I'm going to just get a little intro, then I'm going to give the mic to Chris. Many of you may not know, Chris was the person who moved down with me when I was in Colorado. He's from Colorado to start this church. He was the, youth, the worship pastor, actually he was a youth pastor too. We were everything, because when you start, you just it. You got to be everything. So he moved down with me to start worship, to help us get off the ground. And he moved back to Colorado for the last a year and a half, two years. So I want him to just gonna give you a testimony and some update about what 
God is doing in his life. Let's see if I remember how to work a mic. <laughs> Guys, it's good to be back with you here at Foundations. Uh, it's good to see all your faces. Uh, what an awesome word. Uh, I've been listening to the, the series since we, we started it last week, right? Yeah. Uh, last week's message was awesome. This week, um, what, a, what an awesome, awesome word that went forth this morning. Uh, I wanted to share just a little bit about kind of our transition from Lafayette to Colorado and kind of what God has done. This isn't about me necessarily. This isn't about, um, I don't want the spotlight on me in this. I, I want you guys to see how good God is when we obey the will of the Father. Um, so I'm going to I'm just going to take you through kind of like a journey of two years, because it's almost been two years, it'd be two years in May. Uh, we moved in May 2017. So, um, uh, Sichelle, Audrey, and I, it was just the three of us, we moved back to Colorado at, uh, in May of 2017, and uh, the Lord had uh, told me quite a bit earlier than that, it's time to time to leave and go back home uh, where I'm from in Colorado and uh, be a part of helping my father uh, kind of run his church and do worship for him and stuff. So um, that's that's kind of like the, we'll go through the linear things with real quick, but um, one thing that I want to highlight is is Matthew 12, 50. This is something I've just been thinking about over the time, uh, especially the past two years. Um, most of our subject matter is is rooted with obedience. We, we talk about that subject more often than not, I think in our conversations. Um, and there's real reason for it. Um, and, and it's it's one of God's um, amazing things that he asks of us. So uh, Matthew 12, 50 says, um, the one who does God w- God's will abides forever. Okay. We know that. Um, and John, I think John tw- 21, uh, I can't remember. Uh, no, John 15. Um, it talks about how um, if, if I abide in him, he abides in me. Um, there, there's something here about the will of God that 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 can change a lot of a lot of people. When we're talking about unity today, this is this is what God's trying to bring full circle. So, um, 2017 we moved. Um, I started to work on staff with my dad at Rock Church, um, and and uh, helped him to accomplish his vision. Um, shortly after that, in August of 2017, I started uh, my own company. Um, not many people know that I started my own company in, in August um, for landscaping. I didn't I didn't have the time to actually do everything because I, I work for GolfBalls.com. Still, I'm still there. Love love the company. Love working for them. Um, but God God had asked me to do this, and I didn't know why at first. I just said, "Okay, Lord, like like I just had a kid. I just graduated college. What else can I do? I guess I'll just start a company, right?" Um, so started that in August. Um, Shortly after that, uh, my wife and I found out we were pregnant. I think it was uh, early early August, middle of August, and we had a miscarriage in October of, of 2017. Um, shortly after that, um, it was it was towards um, March of 2018. Um, I I went and I helped another church, one of the one of the churches that helped us establish this here, Victory Church. I helped them. Uh, they needed some really big help in, in HR specifically. Um, they didn't have a department or anything like that, and they're they're a larger church, so they needed they needed a department instead of just getting by. You know, it's they, it's a it's a bigger deal. Some of you know what HR is about. Some of you don't. It's, that's not what the point of this. But um, we started we started working and trying to accomplish some things, and then um, in uh, September of 2018, I I departed from Victory Church, both on staff at both churches. Um, shortly after that, in June of 2018, uh, we had our second child, Ezekiel, uh, and he's just a he's just a strong boy. He's eight months old. Uh, this this week, he's eight months old. So, um, in August 2018, I felt the Lord speak to me again, um, and and that's what I want to talk about. So, he began to speak about a transition out of victory and prepare for another shift. Um, and, and this is what I want to go backwards now and start to explain what happens when we obey, what God actually does, not what Chris does, what God does and what he does through us when we do the will of God. So we moved back um, and we moved into our parents' house in 2017. And um, what I didn't know when I said I would move back uh, just to look for a house and everything was that my entire family was there. So uh, my sister and her husband, my brother, my twin brother, you met him last time I was here, and his wife, 
they all were living with my parents. I didn't know that when I moved back. Um, uh, I knew that my brother was 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 living with my parents like at some level, but um, so we have this huge household of family, and I love it. <laughs> like that's that's my thing. I love being around my family, but um, obviously that's a lot of people, and that's not immediate family. It's just everybody's there, so there's a little bit of tension in that. Um, because we said yes, we could have just jumped into a house right away. We knew that that wasn't what God had asked right off the bat. So um, the Lord began to heal um, a, a real deep wound inside of my father and and me. Um, I didn't even know it was there. I, didn't, I had no idea. Um, and uh, we have the best relationship to this day. It's it's one of, one of the miracles that God has done in my life that I've actually got to see. So... Um, that's one thing. Another thing is when we started uh, working for my father, we uh, there was a there was a brokenness between family. Like um, anybody been in church with? Well, I'm gonna just say it. anybody been in church with family. There can be some there can be some tension points when you do ministry together and there's family. Um, and God just bring a full circle healing to the whole family. It wasn't just my father and I. It was to everybody. We, we came to a center discussion most times about church. That was it. We never talked about each other. Like, we love you for you. We, we want to talk about this and, like, how life is going. It was always centered around church. Not that that's bad. It's just there's more than just Sundays. There's more that God is trying to do in us if we just listen and we stay attentive. So God did a work in our, in our family and, in, and, and even, in, even in our marriage um, it strengthened us. We were like in this weird situation of forced interaction between our family, and we had to focus on our marriage. We had to. Otherwise, I'm just going to hang out with my, my family, who I love to death, and, you know, Sichelle's going to feel left out. So I had to force myself to re-engage my wife in a different way than, you know, just being alone in a house. So um, the second thing was the, the company that God asked me to start is something that I have no idea what I'm doing. It was a landscaping company. <laughs> I, I know landscaping. I, I learned like a lot of the traits and the, the functions of it, but I've never actually done the work by myself or anything like that. God asked me to start this. What was cool about it is we were able to, uh, I was able to pay, do any, any owners in here of business? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, so you understand that there's initial investment when you make um, any deposit into um, starting anything. You have to. You have to give of yourself, and most of the time that's monetary. It's also time. There's a lot of things that go into it. You all understand that. Um, I felt God asked me to deposit all of my savings into this company, um, and I knew this wasn't long-term. I knew that God didn't say, this is what I want you to do. Clearly, he has a, he has a path for ministry for me in my life, but... Um, I said, okay. So I, I dumped, I think we had about $20,000 in the bank at the time. We dumped it all into this company and we started it up. Um, at that time, my brother um, and and two, three, three other guys lost their jobs who were making good money. I was able to bring them on and, and pay payroll to them so they had a sustainable income and they, they loved the work. We all liked being around each other. Um, the cool thing is I, it can only be God when it, when it works like this. Uh, after net outcome for the year was over $100,000, um, which is God. It's not, not anything that I've done or anything like that. Um, and what we were able to do with that was give it away. I have, to this day, I haven't taken one penny back from that company. I gave the whole business away in 2018, and the company's doing great. It's about to do a return of uh, half a million dollars this year. Um, but God, God sets things in motion, and he asked his people to be a part of that. And that's, that's something that I've learned over just, just a little over two years. Um, the miscarriage was a big deal, more so for my wife than, than me. I'm more of a black and white individual. I, can, I, I like to, that's just how God wired me. Um, so she was a little bit more emotional, and that's, that's fair. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and so it was a really good test at that point in time for us to say, God, we rely on you. We trust in you. We will obey. We abide in you, and you abide in us. Um, one month later, this is not normal, I don't think. I, I haven't had more than two kids, but um, 
we were we we got pregnant again, and that's that's God's just hand in favor that we we were able to have a very healthy and su successful birth of Ezekiel in June of 2018. So God is good. Um, so I, I say all that to say um, some really exciting news uh, today. I'm I'm going to bolt out the door as soon as I get done here. Um, because in August of 2018, I felt the Lord start stirring me to come back to Lafayette, Louisiana, and be a part of this area in Acadiana and serve Pastor Stephen and Megan and Foundations and you guys. Um, I know that he started stirring it in me in August, and I wrestled with it for for a while, till about January of 2018 is when I actually called Pastor Stephen and let him know this is what I heard back then, and it's taken me time to confirm it, pray through it, make sure that's the right thing. Um, so after I get done here, I'm meeting with a realtor, and we're looking for a house, and we'll be moving back here, hopefully in a 30 to 60 window. Um, so I'm excited. I hope you guys are excited. Um, that's just a testimony to God's faithfulness. Um, So I just want to ask you guys to stand with me. I'm going to, I'm going to close out for us today. Uh, God is so good, and um, maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe it's, there, there's some people in here who are, who are struggling with uh, what is God saying, um, how is he saying it, all of that. For me, God had never said, hey, Chris, here's the, here's the two-year future. He never said that. What he said was do this, do this, do this, do this. And he blesses that. He takes care of all the other stuff. Um, and that's what God desires for you too. God desires for you to obey his will. God desires for you to obey his commandments. Love God with all your heart, your soul and your mind, and then love everyone around you. If that's you, I just ask you to close your eyes. If that's you and you're just, you're, you're walking in a period of life, I love that we're in this series of unity. This is, this is where... This is where we can be honest. We can be vulnerable. We can work at, at honoring God and glorifying Him by being transparent. It takes action and it takes work to obey God. It takes action and it takes work to obey the will of the Father. And it's not easy. It's a lifelong, it's a lifelong journey and it takes time. It takes patience. God is working in us as humanity working a lot of things out of us to prepare us for the kingdom. You see, when God said, do something, I didn't go, well, God, I want to get this out of it. I want, you asked me to start a business. Okay, I want to be a millionaire. That's not, that's not what he asked. For, for a God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills, it's ridiculous to prioritize money. It is ridiculous to prioritize what we should get. God is the author of, of giving, and giving's contagious. Giving inspires giving. I, I've heard so many testimonies just this week about this church, this congregation, and I can't get away from the, the, this, this, this statement that foundations has great foundations. We serve a great God. We serve a great God. So if that's you, if that's you, if, if you're just walking through life right now and you're saying, one, I'm, I'm not sure what he's asking, but I want to. I want to know if, if there's something that, that I need to be listening to. I want to know what that is. I just ask that you raise your hand. I want to pray for you today. There's one, there's two. Second question for you today is maybe you've been resistant to obeying the will of God. And that's, that's, that's humanity. It's okay. But God is calling you back to that original obedience right now. I just ask that you raise your hand, and I want to pray for you as well. Is there somebody in here who, is, who has known the Father's voice, has said, this is what I'm supposed to do, and we haven't got there yet? When we're talking about grace, this is where the application applies. That, that grace is, 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 is uncomprehensible. You don't need to fear. You don't need to worry. But God requires that we abide, abide in him, and he will abide in us. So for those that raised your hand, I'm going to pray for the, the, the first question really quick. God, I just ask that you uh, go before us right now. 
Uh, we, we have, we have a, a numerous amount of, of questions sometimes, and we, we, we have selfish desires a lot of times. But God, when you call us to abide in you and you and us, the desires are, are truly the same. It's your will. It's your will. It's not ours. We, we have to submit our desire. We have to submit our understanding to you and you take control. God, would you, would you allow again and again and again your voice to go before us? Lord, I pray that we would, we would be attentive, that our posture towards you would be not in a place of, of disarray, but we would specifically focus right now our time with you, that you would, you, would, you, would, you would speak clearly to us. God, we want to obey. Sheep don't only hear the shepherd. They hear the Father. They always hear the Father's voice. This house, this house is a refuge. This house is a home, but it's not ours. It's God's house. It's the Father's house. So God, we ask that you begin to speak to those who are, are desiring to hear your will for them. Maybe it's been a long time and maybe there's some that are in here today that say, God, I know what you've talked to me maybe 12 years ago. I know what you've said to me uh, decades ago. And I, I, for this reason, for that reason, for whatever it is, I just haven't done it. But God, today I commit, I commit myself to you. I will abide in you and therefore you abide in me. God, today we commit to that obedience. Remind us again of what that was and we will see that, we will see you move in Acadiana. We will see you move across this place. Let's begin to pray for Acadiana. God, thank you for raising up leadership in this house. Thank you for raising up men and women who would stand on your word, who would build a biblical community through the family, who would say, I'm willing to go into my workplace and I'm willing to show Jesus to everybody that I touch. God, would you be going before us in every situation, every hand that is shaked with a business owner, every every moment that is shaked with a with a with daycare workers, with, with everybody that we deal with day in and day out. God, today, would you set yourself before them and do a mighty work? Lord, the, the statistics are true. About 76% of Acadiana is religious. Lord, today, we're gonna pray specific that religious spirit be broken in Acadiana and that you ring and that you, that you understand above anybody that there's only one table at the end of this. At the end of this road, there's one table. There's one place where we all sit together, where we all communicate with each other. We have communion, we break bread. That is the bride and the groom at one table. Lord, I pray for the other percentile that is not religious, that may have never heard Jesus. Lord, today, through obedience, through your will, which you've called us to do, you called us to action, would you start to set in motion just radical, radical new conversations with people where they hear your voice, where they understand your love, where they understand your grace, what's been given to us is supposed to be given to them. What we have, they should have. God, I pray for giving in this house, not just finances, but I, I, I feel you right now beginning to speak a blessing, a financial blessing over this house right now. Giving is contagious. Giving inspires giving. Those are your principles. God, would you go before us? May we be not even concerned about when you say, when God says, do it, we've got to be quick to obey his voice. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in this church and foundations. Lord, this is a, this is a life-changing church. This is a church that will accomplish the vision that you set. Thank you for a pastor, for Stephen Bowen, who heard your voice many years ago, who said yes to the call, who sacrificed, who laid down his ambitions, who laid down his pride, who laid down everything and said, Lord, I will submit to your will and I will do what you ask. 
Thank you, God, for great men like that. Give us wisdom, give us insight as we leave today. God, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for the life that you're pouring in, the communities that you're building in this church, Lord. They're meant to be outside. They're meant to go out and around this community. And Acadiana will one day, will one day begin to see the true value of Jesus Christ. It will happen. Lord, we love you in this place. We ask that you go before us as we leave. In your mighty name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Well, good. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you. Sorry we went late. God bless you guys.